0: Welcome to Leading on Purpose with Nicole Bendeley. What does it take to lead yourself and your teams to high performance with ease? Today, you'll discover simple practices that separate exceptional leaders from the rest. Now, here is your host, Nicole Bendeley.
1: Hi there. Welcome to this episode of Leading on Purpose. I'm Nicole Bendeley, and I've been so looking forward to this episode. You know, I created this podcast to help leaders to thrive more and struggle less at work and in everyday life by providing simple yet powerful strategies that will make the biggest difference to a leader's everyday effectiveness. And in today's episode, my my guest, Kristen Harcourt, will do just that. Today, Kristen will share how emotional intelligence can help a leader to become not only a leader people want to follow but a leader people are excited to follow, which isn't always easy, right? Especially in today's high stress, high complexity, and high flux environment. So Kristen, welcome, thank you for joining me today.
2: Thanks Nicole, wonderful to be
1: here. So let me start by introducing you, Kristen. Um, Kristen and I actually first met, I believe at a where we were both speaking right, at the Imagine Your Workplace conference. And I was blown away by, by um, Kristen's you know, in, engaging style and the depth of knowledge and expertise Kristen brings around emotional intelligence. And Kristen is an accredited coach and a sought-after speaker and facilitator who's been helping executives and emerging leaders in hundreds of organizations worldwide to achieve not only extraordinary results, but sustainable results, by helping them to increase their self-awareness, their emotional intelligence and mindfulness. And she's been doing this for over a decade now. So Kristen, you know, our show is all about leading on purpose, which is really about two things, right? A, discovering your true purpose and staying authentically connected to it every day. And B, leading with intention every day, right? turning off autopilot and leading with a fanatical focus on where you're going and how you're going to get there. And so I'm curious. I'm curious about what your purpose is and and how do you stay connected to it, especially in a time like COVID when we can feel so disconnected and chaotic at once?
2: Yes. Yeah, such a great question. And it's funny and interesting. Sometimes I I would hear that word purpose and I remember feeling so overwhelmed because it felt like such a big word and it's my purpose and my calling and how do I find out what this is? And I, I would spend so much time exploring that. I, I would say really for the last 20 years, I would ask myself those questions And what I started to really recognize that where it felt like sometimes like this big lofty thing, my purpose is it to like make these transformations for everybody in the world. And that felt a little overwhelming when I took it from that perspective. And then when I really drilled it down, I recognized that my purpose is really to help others tap into their greatness, tap into their authentic selves. And through doing that, really being able to be quite successful, but also fulfilled. Because what I notice sometimes is that people might be successful by the definition of success that's not truly their definition. So the authenticity piece is is very important to me. I think we have that word authenticity thrown out a lot these days. And to me, that's around somebody really connecting to who they are and understanding what their gifts and talents are. So I feel like my purpose is actually to help others do that. And and my way of staying true to that every day is really starting by asking myself when I wake up every morning, who who do I want to be? How do I want to show up today? How can I show up as my best self, my most resourceful self? I actually just recently spoke to um, somebody, a a podcast guest on on my podcast, and I like what he said as well. And I I guess I do this in my own way. And it's asking the question every day, you know, if this was my last day and I wasn't here tomorrow, what do I want to do? How do I want to be remembered? So that that's the the lens and my behaviors and actions and choices are all coming through that lens.
1: I love that. Who do you want to be? Who do I want to be today? Right. And, and I ask that of myself too. And my answer changes depending on the day and what my kids might need from me or what my team might need from me. And so how has asking yourself those questions first thing during a very stressful time, how has that helped you? And how has it helped your leaders that you've, you've suggested they do the same?
2: Yeah. Well, first of all, it's creating some time for reflection every day that a lot of times that we don't actually take, right? We get into autopilot, we wake up, we do the same thing we did the day before. We're running, we're going, we're doing. I like to describe that as that hamster wheel, that it just feels like it's going around and around and around. So just by intentionally asking yourself that question every day, it means that, oh, I'm now committing to at least spending two or three minutes every morning to just get centered, get grounded, get intentional about how I'm going to show up in my day. And so I find for whether that's myself doing that or whether it's clients doing that, um, when the question, you know, who do I want to be today? Maybe they might say, you know, I want to be someone who's having a lot of self-compassion and grace for myself, because I'm recognizing I'm having a tough day. This might've happened the night before, or this happened this morning. And so it's also recognizing sometimes when we're asking, who do we want to be? It's not only about who we're being for people out there and outside, but it's also, who do we want to be for ourselves? And in these days of of COVID-19 and a global pandemic, what I see consistently come up over and over and over again with my clients and quite honestly with myself is what permission do I also need to give myself today? And that changes every day.
1: giving Giving yourself permission, right? Let's dive into that in a little bit when we explore self-care, when we explore the importance of putting that oxygen mask on yourself first as a means to, to really lead others the way they need you to lead them, right? So I love that. Let's come back to that. I really want to jump into emotional intelligence right now because we're, we're touching on that. Everything that you've been sharing with us is, is about emotional intelligence, And what's really interesting right now is I think we're coming up actually on the 25th anniversary of Daniel Goleman's book, his groundbreaking book, Emotional Intelligence. And for those of you who are new to Daniel Goleman's name, he is the father, the grandfather, you know, the the, the big guru of emotional intelligence. And his book almost 25 years ago shifted, not only shifted, like broke the paradigm on how people view what it takes to be successful and it's not IQ surprise it's not IQ so Kristen share with us what is emotional intelligence at the end of the day and why is it so important to a leader's effectiveness especially today
2: absolutely absolutely So the simplistic way of thinking of it is emotional intelligence is really about understanding your own emotions and mastering them and navigating them. And then also understanding the emotions of others. And at the same time, being able to understand and navigate those. So that that really takes up a whole bunch of stuff if you think about leaders, right? That is around yourself and your self-talk and your self-awareness. So what's your self-regard? Then it's around how are you going about self-expressing and doing that in a positive way around others, being independent, being assertive. Then it's also around how are you recognizing and understanding the emotions of those around you? Are you showing up with empathy? Are you building strong relationships, meaningful connections? Then you can think of it in terms of problem solving. So are you aware of those, your emotions as they're coming up and how they're impacting your decisions? and impulse control, and reality testing, and optimism. And then you can also think of it in terms of stress and with the emotional regulation as well, right? As you start to become more aware of those emotions and uh, getting a feel for um, why, what the emotion is trying to show you and is trying to tell you how you can work through that. And so then it starts to really alleviate your stress in terms of self-regulation as well.
1: And- So it's about being self-aware, listening to yourself, noticing the impact you have on others, noticing how your emotions affect your actions and your reactions, noticing what other people need from you or noticing their body language and responding flexibly to that. And so why is that? Why is EI, you know, EI has been around for so long and us working in our bubbles, right? With, with, bringing this to organizations, I'm always shocked that it's not part of an organization's ethos already. And so, you know, what, why is it so essential? And why do you think it hasn't sort of um, become a part of every leader's every day in every organization? What's getting in the way there?
2: Mm-hmm. Well, first of all, I'm glad that it's called emotional intelligence because I think in the past it was called soft skills. Right. as soon as you hear soft skills, oh, they're soft. They're not that important. They're, oh, some people need them, but not everybody needs them and they're not essential. So I'm so glad that emotional intelligence has really created some and so much on all of the research, of course, to go along with that has really helped to create some more credibility around how important it is. You know, Nicole, I think to be quite honest, one of the reasons why maybe from an individual perspective that emotional intelligence is not seen as important is because it's it's hard. It's a lot of work and it's uncomfortable and it requires you to really look inside and understand yourself and recognize patterns and triggers and how you're impacting others and where those triggers came from. And so if you think about anything that's involving personal development, <laughs> that's that requires time and investment. So on a, on a personal level, I think sometimes people don't, they're not ready to make the time and investment. So they just think, Oh, it's not important. I'll, I'll just go this way instead. And I, I can make do. And then from an organization's perspective, I mean, the good news is I see more and more organizations understanding how important it is where I think the organization is not necessarily helping the leaders in this way is the, is when their organizations that don't really invest in their leaders in any way. So they just, you know, individuals, they are individual contributors, perhaps top performers, they work their way up the ladder, they get into leadership. And then they say, Hey, great here's your leader, you're a leader now, and you have a bit of a salary increase. And guess what, you have a whole bunch of new responsibilities. And you thought your role looked like this. And now your role looks like this completely, the di- completely different. Now it's not actually about you doing all the work and, and being exceptionally good at it, like you were as an individual contributor, you actually have to work through people and have those people do the work really effectively. And so whether it's emotional intelligence, whether it's any type of, of skill, they're not getting support in that. They're just told, okay, figure it out. I, you know, it's, it's fine as if it's some sort of seamless transition, which you and I both know is not the case. So I don't think it's necessarily that organizations are not bought into emotional intelligence. It's that they're not necessarily bought into training and developing their people.
1: They haven't prioritized it. As one of the most important things that you and I know make the biggest difference to an organization's bottom line at the end of the day, because it's all about their people. And so when we look at what people need right now, I really want to start applying EI in a tangible way to today's environment and helping teams and the leaders themselves to to thrive in this high stress right time of, of great unknown. So I'm curious in what are you hearing from teams and leaders over the past few months as far as what people really need right now from their leaders and how is that different from what they needed in January or February of 2020?
2: Yes, absolutely. So a big 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 one. I was I've always been a very um a, a big believer in one-on-one conversations and one-on-one check-ins and for some organizations that's not happening consistently uh, before covid or or, and now it's even more critical because if you're not having one-on-one check-ins those people are far removed they're not seeing you every day in the office even before when you weren't doing structured one-on-one check-ins at least that you would you perhaps would see them as you're going by in the office these impromptu conversations would naturally happen So these impromptu conversations are not happening now and it's really important for the regular check-ins to happen, but the check-ins are not about going right to business and talking about performance and what the business outcomes are. The conversations need to start with, hey, how are you doing? What's going on for you right now? Is there anything I can be doing to help you? Is there something that I can take off of your hands that's overwhelming for you? It's because just the how are you feeling? They might say we, we all know that. How are you fine? Right. So we need to take it down, we need to take it another notch, right? We need to start to really create some questions that we're asking on a consistent basis. Um, you know, what's going on for you? How can I best support you? Are there struggles that are showing up for you? What were some wins this week for you? What do you want to celebrate? So, like really having meaningful human-to-human conversations, this needs to be front and center. And everyone through the organization, leaders, other leaders need to be doing that. And I would even say if possible, be aware of your peers as well. If you're a leader, you know, checking in with your peers, how are you doing? What's going on? Um, is there anything I can be doing to help you? What are your struggles? And then sharing that back into the organization as well. So that perhaps there can even be things be created that are not just the one-on-ones, but maybe a, a weekly team conversation, which again, is not going right into the business. There has to be some deliberate time whenever you're getting together as a group to really check in and have that space for people to share the struggles, to be vulnerable. And the really important part here as well is the leader also has to be being vulnerable and sharing how they're feeling and some of the things that they're noticing. Hey, you know, I noticed for myself this weekend, all I could think about was work 24 seven. And so then I recognize, oh, you know, I might need to take a couple of days off next week because I think work is on my mind 24 seven. And I'm recognizing I haven't taken any vacation in four months. So I'm going to actually take a day off next week to make sure that I'm getting some some of that time to recharge so that that leader is also modeling. So it's giving permission again for the other individuals to um, vulnerably and authentically share what they're experiencing.
1: And so that leader being vulnerable and leaning in to having these conversations in a way that it isn't just a check the box, right? Activity where the leader is really disconnected from the response, right? Leaning in means being connected and being open to hearing and responding in a way that demonstrates you hear and you care. And so I want to explore with you, where does EI come into these kinds of check-ins and meaningful conversations that teams really need right now, right? What can, what are some strategies leaders can do in order to step into a realm of vulnerability that they may not be comfortable doing? Um, They may um, resist in part because they don't know what's going to come from the questions they ask an individual in a team and, oh my gosh, what if I can't fix this for them? It's my job to fix this for them. Let's remove the fix it hat. How do we remove that? And so after break, um, I'd like to explore where does a leader start with strengthening their emotional intelligence so that they can move into the kind of leader that teams need right now, especially if that's outside of their comfort zone? So we'll be right back after a quick break. Sounds great.
0: Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit facebook.com forward slash voice America. Leading a team today can be hard, but it doesn't have to be a struggle. With k self-paced e-course, leading high-performance teams, you'll gain everything you need to build the cohesion, communication, and engagement needed for your team to thrive. Right now, save 30% off the e-course. Plus, Nicole, host of Leading on Purpose, is including two coaching sessions with her at no extra charge. Use promo code VA30 when you visit K A N D c o that's promo code va30 would you like a complimentary strategy session with leading on purpose host nicole bendeley nicole and her team have been making it possible for leaders to achieve exceptional results with ease for over 40 years nicole will help you to discover what's getting in your team's way from even better results and will share with you the simple practices that will make a big difference to your performance and theirs Visit kand.co slash strategy and book your session with Nicole today. That's kand.co slash strategy.
2: It's your world. Motivate, change, succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com.
0: You are tuned into Leading on Purpose with Nicole Bendeley. Find out more about Nicole and her company, K&Co, and check out her suite of leadership tools and resources at kand.co. Now, back to Leading on Purpose.
1: All right. Well, welcome back. So before we jump into how to actually help leaders um, develop um, emotional intelligence and some of those strategies, if you're not necessarily comfortable leaning in just yet what you can do that will ease you into it I do want to share with you that um, if you want more from Kristen um, she has a lot to share some very valuable um, resources you can catch up with Kristen at kristenharcourt.com and she has her own podcast inspirational leadership and you can join her community at her website kristenharcourt.com so Kristen let's um Get back to what leaders can do, you know, you and I both coach leaders and, and in my experience, um, leaders come often, not all, but often come to a coaching conversation, um, believing that they're self-aware and, you know, believing they understand emotional intelligence and the value, etc. And then through conversation over time, we begin to peel the onion where the leader begins to recognize some more of their own strengths and some more of their own areas they need to stretch that they didn't realize or begin to see their teams in new ways um, and individuals in different ways. And they realize, oh, maybe I'm not as self-aware as I thought, or maybe I'm not as empathetic or, or vulnerable or name a word, right, a value um, as I thought I was. And so how, where is a leader to start if they're not naturally comfortable leaning in? Where can a leader start? Well, I think the first step is
2: even the fact that they've come to us and they're ready to do coaching and um, willing to to do the work and make a commitment. So I think a starting point is just acknowledging. There is an opportunity for growth, that because let's be honest, all of us can grow. We're never at this place where we're done growing. So I think just being able to say that out loud and acknowledge it is a really good starting point. And it's interesting when you bring up the self awareness because it's it's so funny when I'm I do a speaking gig or training and I ask about self awareness, like how how many people would say that you're self aware? I mean, it's eighty percent of the people put up their <laughs> hand and say yeah, yeah, yeah. I have really, really high self awareness. And the research. Shows it's around eight to ten percent. And really? that's right, that number. Eight to ten percent. And I think when we're talking about those people who are eight to ten percent, like we're talking that we're almost at enlightenment here, like they just spend all of their time checking in and, and really having strong, strong self-awareness and really understand those strengths and, and as well as all those gaps. So, like I said, I think starting off would be just recognizing there's an opportunity for growth. And then how you go about developing that skill, there's a lot of different ways. So one would be, of course, working with someone where you can have a safe space to talk through the struggles, um, to acknowledge and, and talk through where you might be doing well, where you might not be doing as well, and then have somebody else witnessing it because sometimes even a strength, something you're doing really well, you don't even recognize that strength in yourself so you can start to see that and actually leverage it more than you already are. And then recognizing some of the those gaps, Because as you noted, as the leader starts talking through more of these scenarios, then there's another perspective that can be offered. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, a little bit of a light bulb goes off. I hadn't really thought of it like that. Um, so I, I, definitely, am I'm a big believer in getting support from somebody else because they can help you see things that you can't see yourself. Um, but that doesn't necessarily have to mean only working with a coach that could be talking to your peers and having an accountability buddy and having another leader at work and telling them, you know, this is something that I'm working on and I'm going to check in with you and, and talk to you about how it's going, because now you have somebody who's cheerleading, you is invested in it, might ask you some questions, uh, working with a mentor, letting somebody else in your organization know that you're you're wanting to make some improvements here, and then asking for feedback from others because others are quite happy to give feedback eventually, once you've built trust. So I always say as a starting point, if you want to get feedback, go ask a significant other, go ask a, a mother or father, go ask a sister or brother, ask family members. They're usually very, very happy to give feedback <laughs> As you get a little bit clearer, as you, you want to be able to direct them with the feedback, you know, this is, I'm wanting to work on being better in in, as a leader. And I noticed that there's some things I might, what would you, what would you suggest are some areas of improvement? And also what would you say I do really well, right? Because again, sometimes we don't recognize our own strengths. And then after you've done that and you feel a little bit more comfortable and it perhaps might feel less vulnerable, then you can start asking more of those questions in the workplace. And I want to be quite realistic with you here. As a leader, if you haven't asked these questions before from your team members and you're asking now, the first time you ask, they might just say, oh, no, you're great. You do everything really well.
1: Uh, It might be the fifth time. Oh, good. I knew that. I knew I was perfect. I don't need to ask this question
2: again. And then by the third, fourth, fifth time, they might say, well, one thing that I notice you do is this. Mm -hmm. Or even as a leader, if you're asking individuals, how could I better support you? Um, Because each individual is going to be unique around the way they want to be supported. And then as they start to share things with you, you might recognize through them sharing that, oh, I thought I already was doing that. Oh, I guess I'm not because they're asking for more support in that way. So I really think it's helpful to get feedback from others. And then you can also start by, I'm a big fan of having a journal. And when I say journal, I'm not saying every day you have to journal. I mean, having a journal where you can start to in real time, start tracking things and then starting to pay attention to things. So um, whether it's that you're noticing um, you get triggered from a stress perspective, right? You notice if you're in a meeting and all of a sudden somebody asks you for information and you don't have information in that moment. You notice that you get really scared and uptight and perhaps get a little bit defensive. Okay. So that's great. Write that down. And then after the meeting, start asking yourself, okay, so what did I notice went on there? So I was noticing I was triggered. How did that feel? Pay attention to what went on in your body And then what did you notice? Like what was happening for you? What was the story? What were your thoughts? Right? So now you're starting to become a bit of an investigator or a data scientist. And the the data you're looking at is data on yourself, right? So you're starting to get to know yourself better and recognize those ways that you might be holding yourself back where you're perhaps not showing up as your best self. So I think it's, so, so effective um, when you start to like really write things, things down. And then at the end of the week, you can start to look and see what are those patterns you're noticing. And then you can also start to work on a specific area that you want to get better in, not all of the areas. Cause I think that's another thing where people just get overwhelmed because they're trying to fix and change everything. One area, if you're noticing, Hmm, I noticed that I actually, when people are talking that I'm not really listening that well, and then I'm, thinking about my to-do list in my head while they're talking, probably they can tell that that's happening. So you might want to work on that empathy muscle and working on listening better. Okay. So you might say for the next week or for the next month, whatever feels right for you, that's the skill that I'm going to be super focused on, right? So I think being really drilling down on a couple of things, as opposed to trying to work on everything, you're going to be way more effective in making that progress.
1: Okay. I love that advice. Drill down on a couple of things, right? Is it, is it social awareness, from the perspective of, do I want to get clearer on my strengths and take a strength-based approach? Do I want to get clearer on where I need to stretch myself and understand my my gaps? Or do I really want to better understand my triggers and how my thoughts affect my emotions and how I'm showing up and actually creating the results I see and contributing to the environment that I'm contributing to, how I'm showing up here. So getting clear on, 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 where you really want to drill down from a social awareness piece. And then there's the, the, or sorry, yeah, self-awareness. And then there's the social awareness. And so I'm curious, Kristen, when we look at teams and engagement, right? We know that there are, from research, uh, that there are really only two main factors that affect uh, an individual's level of engagement at work the effectiveness of the team that they're in, and their trust in their leader. And and so how does emotional intelligence, how does a leader's emotional intelligence affect the level of trust and the level of engagement within a team? Mm.
2: Yeah, so important. I'm a big believer on if that trust and psychological safety is not there, then people aren't going to be able to because there's not going to be space to be able to risk and be creative and innovative and speak up if that doesn't exist. Um, So from emotional intelligence perspective, uh, interpersonal skills are such a big part of EQ, right? So uh, interpersonal skills are starting to recognize, um, first of all, paying attention to others and what's going on for them in that moment and what they might need, right? So um, as an example, perhaps uh, building, uh, really tapping into that muscle of empathy or compassion. You might notice in a meeting, somebody's being really abrupt, they're kind of angry, being defensive, so in that moment, you might recognize, okay, I'm just going to like take a step back and try to like really show up with a lot of empathy and compassion for this person. They're obviously struggling. They're having a tough day. So maybe outside of the meeting, I might go over to them and say like, Hey, I, I just want to check in with you Is is everything going. Okay. Cause. Just notice like you seem to be having a tough time today right so building those meaningful relationships outside of like so paying attention and noticing what other people um, might be experiencing and how you can better support them and then in terms of yourself when you think about those interpersonal skills what does it look like to show up um assertively what does it look like to really build that independence and autonomy so, from a assertiveness perspective, you know, sometimes people misinterpret assertiveness as being aggressive. And actually, it's not like that at all. It's actually stepping up, speaking up and holding boundaries and saying what needs to be said. But the way it's being delivered is coming from such a grounded and centered state. There is no, um, the assertiveness is not like it's my way or your way. It's like, Hey, here's something that I want to offer. And you're not, um, coming from a place of um, of ego, where ego is like, and, and it's my way or the highway, and this is how it's going to happen. We, we all know that command and control does not work. Um, we're not going to build strong relationships by trying to control others. Um, so that interpersonal piece is really checking in with yourself and then recognizing, okay, what's going on with me right now in this moment? And why am I behaving the way I'm behaving? And what would it look like for me to show up Um, as my best self. And, and this one, I'm sure you've experienced a lot with teams, Nicole, Um, really good teams, there is conflict, not because sometimes conflict gets a bad rap. Uh, Conflict's not bad. Conflict means there's different perspectives being shared. And the more we can hear and listen to one another, and see the opportunity. So you, you know, you hear one perspective, and then okay, and then that leads to another perspective and another. And that's where all of that innovation and creativity shows up. So to me, there's a big part of emotional intelligence is what does it look like to not be so, you know, have a perspective, but also be really open to hearing what others have to say and not being married to my way is the right way and the way we have to do things. Um, You know, as we talk about this right now, it might sound really easy. It's really hard. It really is hard to, to me, what, it gets in a lot of leaders way is the ego. And the way I'm using the word ego is where we're attached to things have to be a certain way. Um, we see this a lot where, um, from a diversity perspective, um, it's I'm right or you're wrong. There's, there's a, there's a black and white thinking, no, no, no. We need to get into the gray areas. There's no one right or wrong way. So sometimes it can be difficult because we have beliefs, And we really think this is the way things should be done. And so that really gets in the way of high performance and up leveling and really creating amazing things as a team. So I think that's a
1: huge part of emotional intelligence. And so when you're working with a team and, you know, that ability to be vulnerable And to have those diverse ideas and to feel safe, the psychological safety that needs to be there for trust, what's one thing a leader, because it's everybody's responsibility obviously to create that safe climate, right? And when it's lacking, it's up to the leader, right? It it falls first and foremost to the leader to lean in and make some changes, So what's one thing a leader can begin to do to shift the environment to be one that is more emotionally intelligent, one that's safer if it's not yet there?
2: Mm. You know, what jumps out at me in this moment, Nicole, as you asked that question is the importance of radical candor and clear as kind and accountability and ownership so I, I'm sure you've seen this before in teams where it's those micro behaviors that are happening and they're not being addressed. So to me, this is that assertiveness, right? Like showing up in a very grounded, non-defensive way and, and, and calling out someone. And there's very different ways of calling out, even saying calling out almost has negative connotations, but. Really, if if somebody's behaviors are not the kind of behaviors that should be happening, um, addressing it in a way that feels most appropriate, perhaps in that meaning is not the time to bring it up, but writing down a note and don't wait two weeks from there. Don't wait till performance review. Make sure that the next time you have an opportunity to have a conversation with that person, say, hey, I, I don't think it was appropriate what happened here. This is what I was noticing. And then so articulating and giving that real-time feedback as much as possible. Uh, but sometimes it might be about addressing it in that in the moment, in the meeting. So I'm noticing, you know, what you said here is really impacting me in this way. And you know, I don't think that's how you intended to say it, but I think it's important that we really put this on the table right now and address it. And so instead of waiting till later on, and then now you're also modeling the behavior. Here it is in this moment. The conflict is here. There is something that needs to be addressed. I, as the leader, I'm going to address it now. Everybody. Else on that team is like, oh, okay, so there is really accountability and ownership of what is acceptable, what's not acceptable. The leader is also going to help that person understand a better way of that they could have approached it. You know, um, you know, from a from a feminism perspective, um, one of the things I used to see a lot of times in meetings were men talking over women, like the woman was trying to say, and it would just be acceptable. And so getting to the point and then pausing that person and saying, You know, I don't think um, that Nicole is actually was was done finishing what she was saying. Can you please hold off and let Nicole finish what she was saying? Right. So now here's that leader in the moment, helping to understand what's acceptable and what's not acceptable behavior and say, this is not going to be happening anymore. People are not going to cut off Nicole. Outside of that meaning, I think it'd be great if there's also dialogue and conversations around what is acceptable and not acceptable behavior. We, we hear values all the time. And I do think emotional intelligence is connected to values as well. And when we talk about values, what are the behaviors associated with those va- values? What will and what will not be tolerated? And then when that behavior is showing up, you know, we, one of our values is XYZ. I don't really think that that's showing up right now in this moment. What might be a, a better way to address this?
1: That example that you gave about a leader talking over someone and how you could potentially address it is the perfect example of both self awareness and social awareness and self management and, and relationship management, right? So you might notice that you're nervous about speaking up and addressing that leader who's talking over somebody else. Um, But you're not allowing that emotion of, oh my gosh, I'm going to put this person in their place. Maybe I shouldn't to stop you from speaking openly and assertively. Plus the social awareness of noticing that person doing that and the impact it's having on the other person that they spoke over, right? and choosing to address it in the moment. So that example is the perfect example of applying the four quadrants of emotional intelligence, really. Um, And that's an an example that happens all of the time that really can derail our meetings. EI is very practical. It's about noticing, understanding what it is and noticing opportunities to apply it. So um, I wanna share a challenge after break that many teams and leaders are addressing right now with uh, workload and how um, we can use AI to support them. So we'll be right back after break. Voice America is on your favorite smart speaker. If you have Alexa or Google Home, go ahead and give us a try. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast on TuneIn,
0: Would you like a complimentary strategy session with Leading On Purpose host, Nicole Bendeley? Nicole and her team have been making it possible for leaders to achieve exceptional results with ease for over 40 years. Nicole will help you to discover what's getting in your team's way from even better results and will share with you the simple practices that will make a big difference to your performance and theirs. Visit kand.co slash strategy and book your session with Nicole today. That's K-A-N-D slash strategy. Leading a team today can be hard, but it doesn't have to be a struggle. With KANCO's self-paced e-course, leading high-performance teams, you'll gain everything you need to build the cohesion, communication, and engagement needed for your team to thrive. Right now, save 30% off the e-course. Plus, Nicole, host of Leading on Purpose, is including two coaching sessions with her at no extra charge. Use promo code VA30 when you visit KAND.CO slash eCourse. That's promo code VA30. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. You are tuned into Leading on Purpose with Nicole Bendeley. Find out more about Nicole and her company, K&Co, and check out her suite of leadership tools and resources at K-A-N-D C-O. Now, back to Leading on Purpose.
1: All right, welcome back. So, Kristen, a number of teams that I'm working with, and I'm sure your leaders are experiencing this too, where they are overwhelmed and stretched to their max and beyond. The, and not just overwhelmed from the impact of, of COVID, which in and of itself is more than most people can handle, um, but overwhelmed by the volume of work. And they are being faced with this incredibly long journey ahead of them with the volume of work, these long to-do lists, and an empty gas tank, right, at this point. And so I'm hearing from leaders, you know, my teams are overwhelmed. They are, they have a ton on their plate, but we have no more resources and everything on their plate is a priority and more is coming and nothing can come off. How do I help them? And so how can self-care and EI apply to a situation like that when everything's a priority and there is no wiggle room at this point?
2: Mm, Absolutely. Self-care is a conversation I've been having a lot over the last six months because we all know if a a leader's cup is completely empty, they have nothing to give to anybody else. And that's not going to be good for them, good for their families, right? We don't want individuals getting burnt out. Um, so I, I'm going to take this in a couple directions. One where I'm going to give pushback to the organization is, uh, I'm going to do that, and I continue to do that. And I think that organizations need to be realistic and recognize that your expectations cannot be the same now as they were six months ago. Um, People have a variety of things that they're dealing outside of work hours. Some parents were homeschooling. We have individuals who have autoimmune things and things that they have to be way more cautious. They can't even leave the house. They have elderly parents. We have people who are separated with, um, with their significant others because they were in different countries when this all happened. Like I could go on and on. So there's a lot going on. So I really, really think the organizations and the leaders in the organizations, and I'm talking about the top all the way down, need to really manage those expectations because if they don't and they're trying to push people and get as much as they possibly can get out of them, those individuals are just going to go off on short term or long term disability because they literally are going to get burnt out. And so much of the research for the mental health surveys, there's been a lot going on, like 60% of people are talking about having really severe mental health issues. So I just want to start on, on that, that place that I really think organizations need to take some ownership around being realistic, realistic. And from my perspective, because I'm such a believer in humanizing the workplace, um, we're not, we don't have robots here. This isn't capital. These are humans. And so let's treat humans like humans. And guess what? When you treat humans like humans, they're incredibly loyal to you. Um, I've looked at tons of research to show that uh, individuals will take a pay cut or stay at an organization longer if they're with empathetic leaders. And so let's really work on that caring muscle, which is a part of emotional intelligence. And and so the other part I think that we have to be realistic um, from the individual's perspective is self care needs to be prioritized. So when you're outside of work hours, we need to have some boundaries happening. You know, I see leaders who are accessible 24 seven, they're answering emails at one o'clock in the morning, they're doing their work during uh, nine to five, then putting kids to bed, and then they're working from nine till one o'clock in the morning, they're working on Saturdays and Sundays, we can't keep doing this. It's not sustainable. So um, there needs to be some boundaries. I know it might feel overwhelming. It could be about having a conversation with your leader and letting them know how much is on your plate and how it's impacting you. And just saying, I'm going to have to pull back a little bit because again, that's not sustainable. Um, giving yourself permission. You know, I hear the self-talk and so many of these leaders are so tough on themselves, right? They're feeling frustrated. They're feeling overwhelmed. They're feeling sad. And they're just like, well, I don't have time for that. I need to just push through. We need to keep on going. We need to keep on going or they'll end the work hour. And then they're having like two or three glasses of wine because they're numbing because they're feeling overwhelmed with all those emotions. So from a self-care perspective, Small little rituals, right? When you're noticing in your workday that you're feeling really overwhelmed, really overwhelmed, get up from your desk and then move away from your desk. If possible, go outside in nature for five minutes. Go for a walk, even if you can't go for a walk outside as the weather starts to get colder. Even to going for a walk in your house, like change the scenery, moving up from your desk, because um, it helps to just put things into priority. Because when we're talking about emotional intelligence, um, part of that is um, uh, is uh, emotional regulation, right? So it's noticing what are the thoughts, what are the overwhelm. Okay, so I notice in my mind I'm thinking about all the things that need to happen. Okay, so go take a little break, take some deep breaths. You can only work on one thing at a time, right? So what's here in front of you, I'm gonna work on this thing, then the next thing. I'm a big believer in single tasking instead of multitasking. Multitasking is not effective. Absolutely right? It's not all of the research points to it. You can't possibly be as focused or productive. Um, So do things to set yourself up for success. Um, When you're working on a task, that's going to really require some concentration, turn your notifications off, put your phone in airplane mode, turn your email off, don't look at your emails. Because what happens with emails is that everybody else's emergency becomes your emergency. But is it really your emergency? Probably not right? So it's now you're owning your time as opposed to somebody else owning your time. And when I hear um, that everything is a priority, cause I hear this one a lot. So as a leader, you go back to the person and you say, so, you know, you just put something else on, on my plate. So in order for me to take on this, I'm going to have to take this out. So I just want to ask you, what do you want for me to take off of my plate? Because I I don't have the bandwidth. So now that other individual is going to have to make a decision because they can't have it all. Right. So, and sometimes people also give deadlines and say things are priorities, but they're not as big of a priority as they actually um, make you believe that they are. So when you start to do some pushback and say, okay, so this is the number of hours I have today. This is what I can work on or this is what I have for the week. These are the projects I have on the go. So if this has now become a project, something's gonna have to give. So I'm gonna put it in your, I'm gonna let you make the decision. What, what's gonna give? What are we gonna have to? So really holding boundaries, pushing back, Um, making self-care a priority and to speak to self-care again. um, I'm really going to encourage listeners outside of work hours to be doing things that are really filling your soul. Like, what do you need to do to recharge? And recharging looks different for each of us. So for me, it might be after I transition in between my workday and then family time, I will put some headphones on listen to some music for 10 or 15 minutes. It just regrounds me, recenters before I go into mom mode, right? That's my transition time. First thing in the morning, because I know my routine for my kids is going to be pretty active, a lot of demands. I get up at, at 6.30 from 6.30 to 7.30. I have some morning rituals. I do my meditation. I do my yoga, my gratitude practice. And then I watch a podcast for 20 minutes that's, that's soul filling for me for somebody else. It might be, okay, I'm going to make sure that I'm talking to a friend, you know, every, every couple of nights I need to check in with a friend because we're, we're missing out on a lot of that, that, um, the meaningful connection that we would have with going out for dinner, having a drink, any of that kind of stuff. So maybe it's getting on the phone and talking to a friend for a little while, but like really committing to those soul filling activities, whatever they are for you, on a daily basis in order to be recharged before you go back to your work day.
1: I love that. You know, I'm a huge proponent like you on leading self first, right? We cannot begin to lead others and ex, you know, expect them to be excited to follow us if we are not leading ourselves first and being a intentional with how we want to show up, be recognizing when we you know, can't show up in that way and be compassionate with ourselves and and practice self-care and and notice our triggers and all of those things so that we can bring our best as often as possible for ourselves and those we lead. So I I am a huge leading self first is 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 key and requires a lot of self-awareness. And so, you know, one of my favorite quotes, it's, you know, it's a it's a Stephen Covey, quote, we become what we repeatedly do, right? And then there's the Malcolm Gladwell quote. He once said that practice isn't the thing you do once you're good. It's the thing you do that makes you good, right? And so what are some questions, for example, that leaders can ask themselves every day that will help them to build their EI muscles, whether it's social awareness or self-awareness muscles, what are some questions that will spark some thinking and ideally some action around core concepts of EI that they can put into practice every day?
2: Yes, I love that question. So the first thing I'm going to encourage is Just spending, this isn't a huge commitment, three to five minutes every day for a little bit of self-reflection at the end of the day. We talked about in the morning to really ask yourself, who do I want to be today and set that intention. And at the end of the day, well, you had your goal around how you want to be. So then checking in with that. So I like a couple of questions, two or three questions at the end of the day, what went really well, because let's celebrate. So what went really well and how can I celebrate that? Because my experience is people are not spending time celebrating what didn't go well. They're only looking at all the things they didn't do well. So just being able to every day say, okay, I did this well, you know, I was patient with, um, you know, I was driving to work and when somebody cut me off, I just put on my music and I didn't react to it. I just responded by recognizing. I don't want to give my power away. Great. Celebrate that. Right. So what went really well today? what didn't go as well? And what did I learn from it? Because I ask my daughter every day, how did you fail today? Failure is not a bad thing. You're not a failure, right? You're not a failure because something didn't go well. It's just understanding those behaviors, right? So um, what didn't go as well? And what did you learn from it? And then what do I want to do differently tomorrow, right? So that already at the end of the day, you have something that you're focusing on working on um, for the day ahead. And, and then doing that every day, again, doesn't take long, three to five minutes. You don't even have to write this down. You're just quickly thinking about it. And then I really like to encourage at the end of the week, um, I'm just going to ask you for like 15 minutes to a half an hour. I asked a bunch of New Yorkers once and said an hour and they were all negotiating back a half an hour. They're like an (laughs) hour. That's crazy. That's way too much time. So just, you know, 15 minutes to 30 minutes, like really setting up yourself up for success for the week ahead. Right. What do I want to be aware of? What am I working on? Um, and, and also from an organization perspective as well, so that you are keeping yourself a little bit more organized. You're looking at those priorities, but we don't want to just focus on the doing. We want to focus on the being right again, who I want to be this week ahead, looking at everything that's on my calendar. What do I need to do right now for some safeguards? So where do I need to create in order to be able to, to deal with what's happening in this week ahead? Right. So being proactive instead of reactive.
1: I love it. I love it. Those questions are essential and that's all part of self-reflection and learning. So thank you, Kristen. This was uh, almost an hour chock full of some really practical strategies and, and ones that you can apply right away. So thank you, Kristen. For more about Kristen, please visit kristenharcourt.com and check out her podcast for some great learning to apply to your everyday leadership. And for those of you who really want to tap into the very best of your leadership and your teams, please check out our e-course. It's 30% off right now for listeners at kand.co slash e-course. And the code is VA30. I can't wait for next week's episode. Tune in and thanks again, Kristen. All the best to everybody. Have a fantastic day.
2: Thanks, Nicole.
0: Thank you for joining us this week. Please tune in again for another edition of Leading on Purpose with your host, Nicole Bendley on the Voice America Empowerment Channel next Monday at 12 noon Pacific time and 3 p.m. Eastern time.